Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Tonight, we're going to have a mix of multiple things. And it's okay because all the pressure's on Jesus and me a little. But I really do believe after this morning that this evening's service and message will be a catalyst of change for many people. Whilst I did say that if you're a, if you're a, a, you know, a daughter of the King, you should come tonight. But I also know that many men will be set free tonight to step into the fullness of their calling as well. Because we're sons and daughters in a kingdom that knows no end with an inheritance that knows no bound. And how do we live in it and then step out of our Christian world to take it to the community around us? I'm so grateful for Pastors Tony and Kathy for always allowing me to come and speak into your world and your life. I take it as the utmost privilege and I'm humbled by the fact that you would allow me to do so. So I take that on as a sacred moment because when I leave tomorrow, You're still in Adelaide because Adelaide needs you. What difference will you make in this great city? You can't say, I made a difference by turning up to church on Sunday. Because when you come to church on Sunday, it's the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Which means we walk out and something has to happen. And it's not a transaction, it's a transformation. And I can speak to this because not only do I speak in churches on weekends, I go back and I work in corporates all week. Not for profits, governments, universities, that's my world. I don't always quote scriptures, but I can take resurrection power everywhere I go because I can shift the atmosphere. So I don't put my Jesus hat on Sundays and put my Caesar hat on during the week. Because there's only one kingdom that still remains. And it's the kingdom of Jesus. And that's our inheritance. We have access to that. So that will set you up for this evening. If we can go to that first slide, please. I called it hope in the hallway. You know, there's this old saying that, you know, when you're in transition and when you're in change, you know, you, you go from moment to moment or season to season, chapter to chapter. And they, they say it's hell in the hallway. But I'd like to redeem that saying because change doesn't have to be hell. It should be hope filled. And I call this particular message hope in the hallway, but truth and dare. Do you remember growing up as kids where there was a game that you'd play truth or dare? And it was truth or dare. It's like you have to either, someone's going to ask you a really, really like question that you're going to have to you know, really be vulnerable with or you pick dare and someone's going to ask you to do something really, really, really weird and gross. But may I suggest that in the kingdom, there's truth and dare. That when we receive truth, we actually become more daring because we actually know what we're anchoring to, to be daring. So we find ourselves... One of, the, one of my favourite stories in the Bible, if we go to the next slide, in John 5, it says this, After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which, in, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. 
In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. There is this great feast that is occurring in Jesus' attending. And right next to it, there is this five porches, this area of five porches where people who are laying sick and dying are all there. So there is a great feast, a celebration of some sort. And right next door, there is a great need of people that are broken and sick that need healing. In every great movie, they call them juxtapositions. It's like this amazing thing and then something broken in the middle of it. If you go to third world countries, you'll see this. I was once in a place called Ibadan, Nigeria. You have to fly to Lagos and then there's this long bus trip. And I remember going, there was a crusade and everything. I was part of a team that was there. And I remember it was one of the, the weirdest juxtapositions I've ever seen. There was this big traffic intersection and there were these massive LED screens on the corners selling really expensive things, especially really nice cars, like all the Mercs and everything, they were just there. But yet underneath these LED screens, there were homeless people trying to get food. And, and what I find is, is that unless we're aware of it, we, we, we either pick one that we focus on, but we actually live in both. The juxtaposition of pain and purpose, pain and promise. And so there's a celebration around the goodness of God over here and a group of broken people over here. We do groceries online. Alison does groceries online and we do a thing called click and collect. Anyone ever done click and collect before? It's quite efficient. And we do click and collect. And every now and then we'll go into the shops, but uh, just our life just doesn't always allow us to get there during the week. So we do this thing called click and collect. And one day Ali messaged me and she said, can you pick up the groceries on your way home? So I said, no worries. I go in, call a number and boom, they come out with their little trolley and they put it in your back, in the boot or the back seat, wherever you put it. Anyway, I, was, I did the click and collect. I get home, we unload, no dramas. I live in Queensland. It's a hot place most of the time. And about two days later, there's this smell in my car. And I'm trying to figure out where this aroma is coming from. And straight away, I have a nine and an 11 year old. I'm like, these children. <laughs> there's an old burger or a, some fruit. Some, something that's dropped in my car, they've chucked something under the seat because they can't be bothered putting it in the bin. Life's so hard as a nine and 11 year old in Australia. And so there's all, I'm, I'm thinking all this time, it's one of the kids. And you know, sometimes dads have this fixed mindset, wait till they get home. So I'm thinking, man, I'm gonna tell these kids, they better clean my car. But I'm looking and I look in the car, nothing. I look under the seats, Nothing. I open the boot. I still can't see anything, but I'm following the, the aroma. And I eventually see this now lukewarm packet of chicken that has 
fallen out of my click and collect and it kind of bounced, it must have bounced just behind one of the bags that I just keep in the car. And I found it. It took like three days for me to air out the car. Like Glen 20ing, and I mean, like we're a Glen 20 family too, just like Morteen. We, I, if, if anyone's sick in our family, I like close the door this much, and I spray spray Glen 20 like that. I spray Glen 20 in front of me, and then I walk through it. I don't want any germs to get sick because I travel. I don't need gastro. But. I spread it, it's this stench. And so I think about this and I go, can you imagine five porters filled with people in Middle Eastern heat and just the stench of the place? Just walking into it would be like, whoo. Yet you'll see later in the story that Jesus leaves the celebration to go there. Okay, let's go to the next slide. See, our faith journey is filled with juxtapositions that we need to navigate and challenge. You can't pretend there aren't broken people around you. Kind of close your eyes and hope for the best. We're actually assigned to do something, as you'll see. Let's go to the next slide. In Esther 4, and Mordecai told them to answer Esther, do you think in your heart, that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. There was, this, there was this moment in history where there was a man called Haman and he wanted, to, he wanted to kill and destroy the nation. And there is this moment where Esther has to make a decision. She is now queen. Watch this. She has the ability to celebrate and not think about the broken now. But there is an assignment against her nation, an assignment against her people. And now she has a choice of the juxtaposition. There is great power and benefits of being queen. But just over the fence, there is an assignment and an agenda to destroy and bring brokenness to her people. And so Mordecai, her cousin, turns around and pretty much says this to her and challenges her. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. It's one of the most famous women's conferences, you know, you could ever, it's always quoted every women's conference. For you born for such a time as this, for such a time as this. Can I encourage us today? Do we have a Mordecai in our life? Who's your Mordecai that says, hey, you, you're getting pretty comfortable here. Maybe I was your Mordecai this morning. <laughs> Maybe tonight. But do you have a Mordecai that that? that will keep you connected to your assignment, not just your, your pleasure, not just your blessing, but to your assignment. I believe we are blessed because we fulfill our assignment. But if all we do is chase blessings, we can soon forget our assignment. But there's a Mordecai 
And he says, but you were born and you were brought to this kingdom for such a time as this. What's he saying? In the moment, this is like a Kairos moment. In the moment when you are in celebration and power and you have access, don't procrastinate. Procrastination is the place where dreams go to die. And we can spiritualize our procrastination. We need to pray about it longer. But if God already said it, what do you need to pray? Who are you praying to if He's already said it? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Who are you praying to? Because if He's already told you to do it and you got to pray about it, He's like, I already told you. Let's go to the next slide. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day, my maids and I will fast likewise. And I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. That's pretty bright. She went from, I don't know if I should do this, to someone saying, but what if your time is now? And something supernatural would have happened to shift from I'm thinking about myself to I will now represent my nation. And if I perish, I perish. She's young. It's not like, you know, she's towards the end of her life and she goes, well, you know, it's not like I had that long anyway. She's got her whole future ahead of her. And I want to talk to some of the young people tonight. Sometimes you have to be bold enough to say, I want to answer the call of God now. I shouldn't be waiting till I get everything in line, till I have enough money, till I have all these natural things in a line. You need to just say yes, because your time for the kingdom acceleration is now. And if I perish, I perish. What does Esther teach us in this moment? Let's go to the next slide and I'm going to show you. Is a short, a short live life lived with purpose is more powerful than a long life lived in fear. I would rather say yes now and know I lived it to complete fullness with Him than to live a long life constantly reacting to fear of I should have, maybe I could have. Well, if it was a little bit easier, I would have. But what's the call? What's over the fence? Because you can celebrate, but what's over that side? Let's go to the next slide. So then the king was sitting on his royal throne facing the entrance of the palace. When the king saw Esther, the queen, standing in the court, she found favour in his sight. This is so important so that we get it. Is that this king got rid of his first wife because she didn't answer like when he called. Like she broke protocol. Esther's about to do something probably worse. But what was her stance? If I perish, I perish. Because a short life lived with purpose is better than a long life lived in fear. And it says here that she went to stand in his court. Now, when you step to the king, you don't stand. You bow, you kneel. And I feel like I need to speak to some women in the house. Is that she could stand and face her king 
because there was a greater king she was answerable to. And you don't need to bow to inferior kings when you actually honour the king of kings. May we not be a group of people that bow when we already are on assignment to be favoured to bring national transformation. And like I said, there's some daughters of the King in this room that you need to straighten up your shoulders. You need to step into the court of your industry and your calling and your God shape and not bow to the pressures that are around you, but to say, I'm actually here for Jesus. And I won't bow and I won't look down. I'm going to stand because it's God that put me here. It'll be God that keeps me here. So I, she stands and then the king, she, find, she finds favour in his sight and the king extended to her the golden scepter, which was in his hand. Let's go to the next slide. See, walking in your calling is an intentional act of courage, not a stumbled upon accident. She didn't go, oops, sorry, king, I just happened to be here. Can you do me a favour? She walked with intention, knowing what her sacrifice just may be. And she stood anyway. Living for Jesus is not boring. It's a great adventure. If we're willing to actually step into the places He's actually asked us to. You can't accidentally find your calling. You have to intentionally step into it. Just like you can't take somebody else's calling, no matter how much you want to. It's your calling. God designed you with it. But she had to walk into his court to get the favour to save the nation. She didn't ask an advisor to walk into the court and do it on her behalf as queen. She had to. We have to step into the very place and make the call. We have to step into the world. We have to step into uh, kings or little K kings out there. And we need to step into government spaces. We need to step into universities. We need to step into them and say and speak with authority and not bow. Why do we walk apologetically because we're Christian? Oh, I'm so sorry, you know, I just got this thing. No, if you have a, a sound from heaven... You speak at a higher exchange rate. That that means you don't get intimidated by people that are less than Jesus. Oh, come on, somebody. If you want to access your marketplace, secular world, you need to know what you're walking in or you're going to get crushed by Caesar. So you can stand, not cower down now. Can you serve with humility? Absolutely. But humility and insecurity are two different things. But you got to step in with authority, saying there's people's lives on the line. So now, if we go to the next slide over, we jump back to John 5. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. Do you know what that feast was? It was a feast called Purim. Do you know what the feast Purim was celebrating? Esther delivering her people. They were celebrating having a party that somebody stepped out of 
her comfort zone, willing to put her life on the line to save people that didn't have the same access she did. This is what they're partying about. Then it says, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate. And I want you to just like park sheep gate in your brain which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches and these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. Now a certain man who was there had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, let's keep reading. He said to him, do you want to be made well? I find that an extremely intriguing question. Do you want to be made well? See, when you've been there for so long, If you've been broken for so long, you have to know what to ask for. Because every now and then, if you talk to someone that has been broken for long enough, they'll just ask you for something to perpetuate their brokenness to put a band-aid over a bullet hole. But actually, can we go to them and inspire them to ask for wholeness and healing? 38 years is intriguing because in the Bible, that 40 years represents a generation. So 38, this guy had been there for nearly a whole generation. And there's a generation of people that can't move. And there's been a whole generation celebrating freedom on this side, someone willing to risk their life for freedom on this side, but not bringing freedom to this side. The sick man answered him and said, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Sir, I have no man. Broken people can't help broken people. It's not like you could just yell out and now someone else is going to help him because someone else is jumping in the pool. It also shows that he had no community. Healing happens in community, not in isolation. So he says, I have no man to put me in the pool. What I love about this is he actually doesn't respond to Jesus what Jesus asked him, like the question. He just gives him this picture of, but I have no one. Then Jesus says, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately, immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. Let's go to the next slide is Jesus wants to take the party beyond the boundaries. He leaves a place of comfort and celebration. You know, Jesus never had to leave the party and He had every right to stay. But He couldn't celebrate the deliverance of a group of people without taking deliverance to the other side. Let's go to the next slide. Have we celebrated our deliverance without being compelled toward our calling? So are you celebrating the fact that yes, one day you are going to go to heaven? Amen. Yes and amen. Are you celebrating the fact that you have access to the Holy Spirit that speaks to you, that you can think with the mind of Christ, that you have access to abundance and exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think of? You have access you have deliverance, you have power, you have resurrection power here. But are you just willing to be like, I love that I've been delivered. It's okay about the other stuff. Yeah. 
But Jesus never thought like that. It's not like He never went to the party. He went to the party first. But He said, oh, I've got to take this party to the other side. I think of what Jesus did when He walked through that sheep gate. He was about to do something that shifted a generational line all because he was willing to leave the party and walk to the other side. Let's go to the next slide. See, Matthew 25, when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And He will set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on the left. I'm a third generation Christian kid and this scripture was always used. And you'd think, you'd grow up, you'd go, am I going to be a sheep or am I going to be a goat? <laughs> like at the end of it all, God, like am I going to be a sheep or am I going to be a goat? The fact that Jesus leaves the party and has to walk through the sheep gate and takes it to the other side. May I suggest something? What if you never have to worry about being a sheep or a goat if you're just willing to walk through the sheep gate? What if the point isn't, am I a sheep? Am I a goat? God, what are you going to do with me? No, I'm willing to celebrate a deliverance, a party that rescued a nation. I'm, I'm willing to step into the ultimate party of salvation. But now I'm going to walk through the sheep gate and help the broken people on the other side. Now I'm not thinking about me, because if you think about it, if I'm worried about whether I'm a sheep or a goat, guess what? Guess who I'm thinking about? Oh, but if I'm celebrating what Jesus has done in my life and I just want to go help broken people, I walk through the sheep gate anyway. Let's go to the next slide. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Let's keep reading. So my questions are, who do you feel called to reach and raise? Who do you feel called to reach and raise? Like what's that group of people that you were willing to leave the party for. To speak really personally, I remember this moment. I remember my Sheepgate moment. I was, in, I was in Perth speaking at a church and I was only preaching. Now, please understand this is my narrative and my journey with Jesus. This is not superimposed for you. But this was my moment. And I remember I'd, I'd worked in corporate. I then pastored in a church. I'd done I'd executive pastor. I'd done all of that stuff, worked in a movement. Then I started to travel full time. And all I did was preach and I would work with leaders. And then I would, but, but all principally, I'd work with Christian leaders and I would just preach. And then I'd go home, I'd prepare again. I'd leave on a plane, I'd go to another city and I'd preach again. And I was preaching in this church and it was a good church. It was healthy. It was a great Sunday. And I remember driving home to where I was staying and I was so, so upset. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? You ever felt like your brain was broken? And I'm like, there's something wrong. Like, what? Why am I feeling like this? Like, I would normally celebrate what just happened. 
And I realised something in that moment, because I had to take it to the Lord because I couldn't answer it myself. It was all you do is speak in places where you're comfortable. And I remember this moment saying, God, well, I need to go out and do this. It's not always comfortable speaking in corporate. It's not always comfortable speaking in all these different industries. It's probably not comfortable for you sometimes in your workplaces and in the community. It's difficult, like it's not easy. But I remember having to choose to walk through the sheep gate because there's broken people on the other side. And what's your who? What's your, why do you feel called to reach them? What is your sheep gate? In 2023, you can move that to 2024 now too because it's like nearly November. But what is your sheep gate? Identify and name your sheep gate. What is the court that you need to stand in to bring salvation and transformation? And how can you restore hope and a future to a generation waiting for you to go beyond the boundaries? There's a generation that cannot stand by themselves. And they're waiting for us to leave the party. Is it bad to have a party? No way. We should. Because Jesus never condemned the party. He just didn't stay there. And He walked through the sheep gate. And for us, we can see this as a picture, a prophetic picture of giving movement and strength and hope to a whole generation on the other side. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.